In the beginning, there was darkness. Then, there was Paul Brown. Paul Brown transformed the game. Hello, Paul Brown here. Welcome to the first ever International Browns Podcast. Monday, it's a Cleveland win, and I'm here with Ian Wright. Ian, how do you feel, buddy? You know, good win. Browns are two and one for the first time in six seasons. The first time we're two and one since 2011 during the mighty Pat Shermer era. Wasn't the prettiest win, but it's a win. First question I'll ask you, Ian: How well do you think Baker Mayfield did? Baker had a little bit of a personal achievement there in the sense that he broke his streak of eight straight games with an interception. I don't think he was great. He wasn't elite, but he was good enough to take a team that had the right formula to win and execute on a game plan. I thought it was really cool of Stefanski to give him love in the post game saying on the touchdown to Harrison Bryant, that that was all Baker. So he had moments of vintage Baker, which is what we wanted to see. Well, let's, let's strip it back and let's go offense first. There wasn't very many wide receivers um, active today. Yeah. What was your thoughts about that? Well, it was one of those things where I think from a you know, Higgins standpoint, they were going to go ahead and focus on these tight ends. I mean, you saw Harrison Bryant in the, in the um, getting at some targets. You saw Austin Hooper getting targets early. So it was one of those things, heck, even Andy Janovich had a catch. So you knew it was definitely going to be a day where they wanted to put the bigger guys in there and really kind of just just do what we said they were going to do in the pregame, and that's really just control the game. So not really anything crazy. You had your three out there that were your main ones, and you know everything kind of just went together. I don't want to sound negative anyway, but I thought Hooper didn't have his best games. What do you think? They started off, they got him going early with the three catches. I think after he got banged up on the one, uh, looked like a lower leg or a back injury, they kind of sent him back. I'm going to go back to see how he looked in the run game. You know, first thoughts were, yeah, after those first that first quarter, you didn't really see much of him. So I want to go back and see how much of an emphasis he was making in the run game as he was in the Cincinnati game as well. Odell Landry? How, think, how well do you think they did? They did their jobs. I mean, you're talking about two guys that are obviously going to be the focal point of the passing offense. Odell finished, you know, six targets, four catches, and 59 yards. And, you know, one of the ones Baker just airmailed completely over his head. And Jarvis, four catches on four targets for 36 yards. So, and early in the game, key first downs on third and 12, 15 yards to Beckham. On third and nine, hitting Landry. I mean, you're talking about, Baker finding the guys when you had the playmakers and plays needed to be made, those two guys were there. Yeah, and the O-line, you think it held up well today? Listen, there was no doubt that they were going up against a very stout defensive line for the Redskins. I'm sorry, the Washington football team. Um, it's one of those... You did that on purpose, didn't you? You did that on purpose. <laughs> no, actually, I did not. Um, 
it was one of those ones where he got, you know, a little bit of blessing early. You know, hopefully Chase Young's groin injury isn't severe. He looked frustrated going off. Matt Ioannidis also got taken out of the game uh, due to an injury. But you still see guys like Montez Sweat, still see guys like Jonathan Allen, still see guys like Ryan Anderson who are, you know, top picks make plays. So I thought Wyatt Teller had another fantastic game. Just there was a couple times on the TV broadcast they just showed Wyatt Teller coming all the way over from that right guard position and setting, you know, the edge for Nick Chubb on the left side of the formation. So a lot of movement by the offensive line. I thought they had a good game uh, overall. Do you think Teller gave away some stupid penalties? The one they got him on a hold, I'll have to go back. There really wasn't too much of a, you know, it's one of those things where maybe the guy got inside, he takes him down. I mean, a good run, you know, a run game offensive lineman is going to get a holding penalty here and there. That's, that's not the worst thing in the world. It's imposing your will. You know, Chris Spielman, who did the broadcast, who I'm a big fan of, you know, talked about it on a lot of occasions, just showing how Bill Callahan has really just taken the play of the offensive line and moved it up. You know, we've talked about in the past how it seemed like anytime the Patriots needed something, Dante Skarnecchia could just draw something up and boom. Well, it seems like Bill Callahan is doing a great job with the offensive line and getting guys to really just play. Because on the one Nick Chubb touchdown run, you had phenomenal blocking from Wills, Batonio, Treader, and Teller. All on one side, they collapsed the whole Washington football team line, giving Chubb the ability to make a guy miss in the hole and punch it in. So overall, that team ticks when the offensive line ticks. So I thought it was a really good game for those guys. We've seen Jarrett Wills three games now. How well do you think he's doing? You know, in the pre-draft process, a lot of times we talked about how rookie offensive linemen sometimes can struggle. You know, it's one of those things where you're not 100% sure how quickly they're going to adapt to the game. Then we go ahead and get a right tackle who we're converting to left tackle. So there's a little bit more of a learning curve. And I think Jedrick Wills has done a nice job over there holding up. Um, you know, I'm going to have to go back and kind of watch him individually against some of the pass rushers, especially after Chase Young exited the game. But at the end of the day, nothing crazy. We didn't have any major, you know, snafus. Baker had a couple sacks from holding on to the ball too long. But outside of, you know, just a couple interesting play designs, uh, I thought the offensive line, especially Jedrick Wells, did their job. Now talk about defense. Uh, actually, let's give offense a score. What are you going to give it out of 10? You know, I was thinking about this before, and I want to get your feedback on this. So we talked about how the Browns offense can at times just effortlessly put up 30 points. I've said it last week for the Bengals, and now I'm say, I said it even in the pregame. We'll toot my own horn, beep, beep. 34-23 was my prediction. We won it 34-20. So not too bad from a scores and prediction standpoint. So if you took the Browns to cover – and the over, like I suggested, you did all right today. But the offense looks sluggish today, and yet we still put up 34 points. So in watching it, what was the one thing you noticed about the offense? Because we put up 34 points, so you're instantly thinking, that's really good. But at the time, it was sluggish. So what were your thoughts? Look, I'm going to go back with saying, like, how many interceptions did we have? Did we really capitalize on them interceptions? You know, like, was it six in the end? We ended up with three interceptions and two fumbles. All three interceptions turned into touchdowns. And the fumble 
at the end of the game or end of the first half was obviously there's nothing we can do about that one. But yeah, the Browns did capitalize off of the turnovers, which was nice because they couldn't really get the long field and the long drives going. But at the end of the day, they were able to capitalize off of the short fields, which thank you, Dwayne Haskins. Yeah. So like, if you imagine this, if we gave five interceptions in another game, you'd, you'd clearly expect to win. You know, we gave no interceptions and they gave five, you know, like I think that was the difference between, I I don't think we played great. We just took our chances in a classic non-Brownsy way. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things that Stefanski and the guys have kind of talked about is, you know, capitalizing when other teams give you that door, when they open that window, because if you remember right in years past, it seemed like every single time the Browns had a turnover, several plays later, the ball's in the end zone, the ball's through the uprights. We were giving away points like there was just no to no tomorrow. I mean, it was just insane how that was going. Yeah. It's, it's a tough one. It feels like today was sluggish. Third quarter was not very great to watch, you know, like, yeah. Well, and that's the di- that's my dilemma because if you look at the numbers at the end of the day, right? You know, Baker Mayfield ended up 16 of 23, 156 yards, two touchdowns, quarterback rating of about 117, Chubb 108 yards rushing, Kareem Hunt 46 yards rushing. We averaged 4.3 yards per carry. We had two rushing touchdowns. You know, Baker only had 17 completions. Odell had, you know, 59 yards. I mean, overall it's not bad from the box score, but if you watch the game, you're tending like, you know what? I think it's more of a six than it is an eight. Yeah. And I think the key thing for me is good teams, good teams win ugly. And I think we won ugly today. Yeah. I would definitely say that the, uh, the Washington football team gave us the opportunity to beat them more than we just beat them with our skill, but they've got a good defense. You know, I had totally forgot that Kendall Fuller was going to come back. Bad job out of me. Um, So that did add a little element to their secondary um, that I had forgotten about. So, you know, at the end of the day, I think my final answer after talking to you, I'm going with a six. Come on in. It's going to be an eight. Nope. It wasn't, it wasn't pretty at times. So we're saying, the Browns look good because the Washington quarterback looks so bad. Well, the offense has to do something with that, right? So even though the defense got some gift interceptions, that's fine. The offense still has to punch it in. Now, was it demoralizing? Sure, absolutely. But at the end of the day, you got to you know sleep in the bed that it's made. And if the defense gives you short field and you capitalize – that's a good thing. I think the real answer is probably closer to seven, but as you know, in the Paul Brown podcast, sevens are excluded. And how do you feel about Dwayne Hank Haskins? Cause like a lot of uh, pro- promise coming out of uh, mm-hmm. college, you know, you would love him a higher state if I'm correct. Yeah. That though, the Washington uh, football team has quite a few Ohio state guys, Chase Young, Terry McLaurin and Dwayne Haskins. And, what made Dwayne Haskins a great quarterback in college, we saw when the Washington offense was humming. I mean, that touchdown he threw 
Um, I'm, I want to say it was the second one to Dontrell Inman. I mean, he stood back there confidently and he piped the ball in there and it was just a great play, but Chris Spielman, I thought did a fantastic job on the broadcast, giving you the camera's view of his eyes on that Malcolm Smith interception and that on that BJ Goodson interception. When you're staring receivers down in the NFL, a majority of the time, those are going to get picked. And in the case of Dwayne Haskins in college, he didn't have to worry about that. In the pros, he does. So it's something I think he could be a good quarterback. I don't think he'll ever be like an elite quarterback. He's got a good arm. He's got mobility. He's got size. He just makes some really dumb throws. You know, ironically enough, he kind of reminds me a little bit of Deshaun Kaiser. Deshaun Kaiser, I think, would have looked eerily similar to Dwayne Haskins if he was given the talent. You know, people want to talk about they look at stat lines. Do remember that. Deshaun Kaiser played on one of the absolute worst football teams that's ever been created. So, you know, Dwayne Haskins, I think in a similar situation would look that bad, but that's kind of who he reminds me of. A lot of people were saying this is the quarterback battle of the busts. Do you think that's fair or unfair? No, I definitely don't think Baker is a bust. I think Baker is developing. I don't think that Baker's ever going to be Brett Favre. So I think we can save those comparisons, but I do think that Baker Mayfield, much like, you know, uh, a Ryan Tannehill or much like, you know, some of these guys out there that are good enough to win and when you need them can make a play. Because the other day, that Harrison Bryant touchdown was a fantastic play. So Baker, or the one, I know that they pointed out in the broadcast, that out route to Odell, I think it was on a third and 10 or third and 12. I mean, he stepped into that. He threw the ball and in a quiet stadium when, I mean, it hit his hands and boom, you heard it. So Baker's got zip. He's got the arm. He's got the moxie, as I like to say. So I definitely think Baker has a very a higher up ceiling or a higher upside than uh, Dwayne Haskins does. Do you see him as our Browns franchise quarterback? Yeah. Yeah. I think they're, I worried after that Baltimore game, but what I've seen, how the identity on offense is going to be, I think that having a guy like Baker is, is yeah, I think he's going to be the Browns franchise quarterback. Do I think he's going to be a gold jacket? No. Is he Aaron Rodgers? No. Is he Patrick Mahomes? No. But he's still good enough to lead the Browns to where we want to ultimately get to, and that is the Super Bowl. Excellent. Okay, let's go defense. What are you giving out of 10? Uh, here's, the, here's the thing on the defense. You gave up 20 points to a pretty bad team. At times, that you couldn't get off the field to save your life. But you created five turnovers. So, realistically, you played good enough to get a five. But you did capitalize. So, I'm going to say, as of right now, I'm going to give them a six as well. Um, you know, Carl Joseph, nice interception. Malcolm Smith, B.J. Goodson getting two interceptions out of the linebacker room. That was definitely shocking considering now we have more interceptions from our linebackers than we do from our secondary. Uh, Garrett had a couple sacks. Sheldon Richardson, I thought, played really well today. So three sacks, five turnovers. That's, that's, that's a good game, but at times they just looked awful. I'm going six. Yeah, if you put it down on paper and say we got five interceptions, mainly from our linebackers, Paul, Paul's saying at the start of the season, 
our linebacker room I'm really worried about. That's it's great. You know, we got, yeah, we got five interceptions. If we get one or two a game, we'll be happy, but five. Well, we had three interceptions and two fumble recoveries, five turnovers. But, no, I get what you mean because the defense created five turnovers. Which not, not one interception from a cornerback. No, correct? we had a safety, obviously, because Arl Joseph's secondary, so he's a safety. Yeah, but we almost had one. Denzel Ward had a free interception, but hell of a play by the one wide receiver from Washington who just absolutely lit him up and made him drop the ball. Yeah. How good was Joseph's tackle, though? Whoo! Whoo! That was a unique one. I mean, yes, it was on a, what, about a 15-yard run, but, man, Carl Joseph laid the wood. I'll tell you, he, he thought twice about coming around that edge again, and there was a couple other plays where I thought the Browns' defense really laid the wood. Um, there was one play, Dontrell Illman, uh, Inman got sandwiched by, I believe, Kevin Johnson and MJ Stewart, uh, punched the ball out, and we ended up not recovering, but, man, he, he took a shot, so... Listen, if you're going to give up plays, at least make them pay for it. So the Browns defense, I think ultimately at the end of the season won't be as bad as they are now. I think getting the guys back, you know, Denzel went out again in the third quarter. I think that was more precautionary. I think, I don't think they were too worried about the game at that point. So they basically just said, you know what, let's, let's, let's relax them a little bit, but yeah, Carl Joseph, that's what we need from him. We need a strong safety. That's going to make you think twice about going over the middle. So. When, when Ward went out, who did you see as our cornerbacks? Well, they moved Kevin Johnson to the outside. So you had Money Mitch, Kevin Johnson, and then MJ Stewart, which I'll have to go back and take a look at the snap counts. But, yeah, I do believe it was uh, MJ Stewart stepped in there for a little bit. Did AJ Green get on the, on the field? I did not see him. I didn't. But now I wasn't reviewing the cornerback breakdown on the, uh, on the special teams. But, yeah, so the Paul Brown practice squad – uh, extravaganza. We'll have to, we'll have to check him out. And uh, what score are you giving the special teams? Let's see. Cody Parkey made all of his kicks. I don't think they had a kickoff return. Let me take a peek here. Make sure that I have that right. Uh, kickoff returns for the Redskins. Dang, you gotta scroll down farther than I thought. This is invigorating TV. Yeah, no kickoff returns. They had three punt returns averaging 7.7 yards. So all of your kicks, good. All of your punts, what did you finish with, uh, Mr. Gillen? Five kicks, 46 yards, long of 57, two inside the 20. That's a nine. That's a nine for me right there. That's a big turnaround too because they had been sucking the bottom side of a barrel for the first couple of games. So to turn out a special team's performance, they definitely uh, won that facet of the game today. And how do you think the managers did? You know, I think the more and more that Stefanski controls these games, you know, good challenge to win it. It's not often. You know, you know things are going well in Cleveland when we're winning challenges. So I thought at the end of the day, it's still his rookie season. I think that he, you know, ironically enough, took blame on a touchdown pass, which you probably won't see every day in the league. But, yeah, overall I thought Stefanski, you know, just in first watch, doesn't look to be too overwhelmed, and he looks like he's got the guys going on the, in the right direction. For me, it was an ugly win, but we won, and that's something we don't see very much with the Browns. I'm really happy we did it tonight. Yeah, and a little bit of breaking news in terms of Cleveland sports. 
the Indians have completed a improbable comeback. And, you know, I'm a big Indians fan, so anybody that's watching the Indians this week knows they've had quite the uh, the the streak of comeback wins. So they beat the Pirates, which we always like to see teams from Pittsburgh lose. Indians win. They clinched the playoffs a couple of games ago, but they, by winning today, clinch a home a home game against, as of right now, the White Sox are losing. We would play the Yankees. So cheers to the tribe. Hopefully we can, uh, we can get a win and uh, start making some hay in what we'll known as October baseball. Excellent. And will that be a five-game series or a seven-game series? You know, baseball playoffs this year are just a little bit different. So to say I 100% remember the breakdown of the playoff structure, that would, that would just be disingenuous to the Paul Brown podcast. I'd probably have to de- uh, defer to, like, our guy Mike UK or one of those guys that follows it because I just watch the games, but I don't 100% remember how the, they're doing the baseball this year. Did the Bengals win or lose? Neither. They tied in one of the worst games you can see, the ultimate shin-kicking contest. And for all my friends that listened to, there was a famous brawl in seventh grade between two buddies where they kicked each other in the shin twice, and that was the end of it. That was the Eagles and the Bengals tied at 23. Do you think the Browns will beat the Cowboys next week? You know, I'm watching the Cowboys-Seahawks right now, and I know that our guy Jack Duffin is watching this game uh, in a lot of detail with, you know, all his friendly little wagers on there. But – the Cowboys team, they're trailing right now 23-15, which is the first time in NFL history a game has gone to half at 23-15. I do think we can. I'm looking at this team. They are explosive offensively. I would definitely think that a lot of points are going to be scored. Dallas is getting some pass rush on Russell Wilson. And in two freak plays, the worst special teams play of the year, I saw Tony Pollard down a ball at the one. No idea what the hell he was doing. And then I saw DK Metcalf. Pulling up a little early on a long touchdown, getting the ball punched out like a Don Beebe. Well, as a guy who has Russell Wilson in the Paul Brown Podcast League, I'm not happy to have my 63-yard touchdown pass taken off the board. So that's just lack of concentration. The nice part is, is we see, you know, and Pete Carroll's a great coach, don't get me wrong, but you don't see the Browns doing that kind of stuff. You don't, I mean, trust me, there's ways that we've lost games, but at the end of the day, we don't have anything like that where it's just sheer showboat effort. I can't see Odell or Jarvis doing something like that either. It's just not really in their makeup. So hopefully Russ can get that touchdown pack and stop throwing touchdowns to Tyler Lockett because in my other league, uh, Mike Colson, who's in the Paul Brown Podcast League, is absolutely destroying me. So it seems like everybody that Russell Wilson throws a touchdown to is named Tyler Lockett. So, All right, and it's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you. I'm looking forward to the Cowboys next weekend. And I think the next three games are the make or break of our season. We've got Colts, Steelers, Dallas. Yeah, I mean, three good teams. We saw the Colts come out of the gate a little sluggish. But yeah, I mean, right now we break them up into quarters a little bit. So the Browns are two and one, which ultimately means that even if, you know, they come out of Dallas with a loss, they're still two and two after the first quarter. So not the worst thing in the world, but yeah, home against the Colts and then at the Steelers. And then before the bye week, we host the Bengals and then, or I'm sorry, we go to Cincinnati and then host the Raiders. So it would be nice to at that, you know, that, uh, that week eight have a little bit of a, you know, maybe a five and three record or, you know, that, that would be a good thing. Six and two, five and three would be great. Five and three would be great, to be honest. Um, yeah. 
just being in a positive position coming to the latter part of the season would be amazing. Yeah, and especially, I mean, obviously the Steelers being 3-0 and today and the Ravens going up against the Chiefs tomorrow night for their opportunity to go 3-0. and We're in a good division, so we got to just keep pace, keep winning games, and most importantly, win the games in the division. That's the most important part. Very annoying the Steelers are 3-0. and Yeah, it was a good game against the uh, Texans today, so that was a good one for them. A little bit heartbreaking to see. Big Ben is just producing the wins. It's unfortunate, I know. Miles, here's a question we had earlier. Miles Garrett versus Big Ben, who would win in a fight? Oh, Miles Garrett by a mile. Miles Garrett by a mile. You know, I've I've seen Ben Roethlisberger on an athletic uh, field 20-odd years ago, and maybe then he could have, but at his age – Miles would whoop him six times past Sunday. Nice to hear. All right, guys. Um, please make sure you like, subscribe, give us five stars. I haven't said that in a while. But yeah, um, it would be good to get a few more five-star ratings. We do this all for free. And I'm trying to finish up by saying, go Browns. Go Browns. Ready, break. Come do some bitch. Now get with your coach,